Let me you see. Look, I look great, at your text. Thank you. I know, right? Just a pop of color. A pop of lips. Also, the full face. There's no face. You, mm. No, literally. I just have... Um, Is this a filter? I just, no, I don't think so. I just have a lipstick <laughs> on. That's it. No makeup or anything. I, I can't. I can't. You can't like, believe it. It's just the lighting, look at maybe? Your skin. But look at that. Listen, black. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris. I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hello. Great to see you both. I love when I hit the intro with no problems. That was great. Thanks for your support, everybody. I knew you thought I couldn't do it. All right. Uh, Glad you thought you did it well. (laughs) <laughs> so shady is how we're starting this. Hi, everybody. Uh, what have you been up to? Apparently, uh, according to my family, uh, not staying in the new apartment that I moved into. I wanted to. Ask, there's two. Okay, so this is gonna. This is the interview portion. There's things I want to ask you both about. So Trisha, you're up first. Um, so the new apartment. Love it. it. Love it. Closer to the boulevard, which is exactly what I wanted. Um, uh, it means I can roll out of my apartment and walk to a happy hour. We found a wonderful happy hour spot. I will not name it because I don't want any of y'all to go there. Um, it's super fun. Um, the supermarket is like a stone throw away. So we can actually live like um, modern people, which is going to the supermarket weekly, daily if we need to. Um, is that the mark and- of modernity? <laughs> Uh, well it's like it's like a return to it's funny actually it's like a return to my childhood because like we didn't have like storage facilities like refrigerators or whatever right so whatever we're getting we're buying daily so I kind of love that it reminds me of like whenever I visit Europe or something it's like you know Americans love like storing things like forever and like going into their deep freezer and getting things but we just don't have that capacity and also just decorating it. I've been enjoying seeing what my style is. Mm-hmm. You know, like the room, my, my space is a little bit bigger. And my sister and I are having a ton of fun um, decorating. So it's been it's been a joy. I like it. Um, but then you're on the road and you never stay there. So that's great. Yeah, I know. But anytime now, actually, I will say the biggest change is I'm sometimes reluctant to leave it. You know me, I'm all, I was always ready to roam the streets, but now I'm like, I kind of want to be at home. Yeah, so I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> You've crossed an age threshold. Listen, it's almost time for me to suddenly say, you know what? I don't want to be in the thick of anything anymore. Can we move into the I suburbs? want to be left alone. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Got a new place that you like just in time for that. That That's good. Listen, I, know. I, I was so lucky to renovate my apartment in, 20, in the summer of 2019. Oh, just before, <laughs> just in time. <laughs> I, if I, true. If I had to, so true. If I had to spend days in what my apartment used to look like, do you remember? Yeah, like I would have been. It, it, no, it was like a it's jail got cell. a lot of light. Yeah, yeah. you brought in a lot I of light, a lot, a, lot, a lot of color. Mm-hmm. Jason, it's time for your interview segment. All so, right. I don't know what you're going to ask me about. Well, well, get ready because I don't know if Trisha knows this. Jason <gasps> has been doing stand-up comedy. Taking a class in stand-up comedy, yes. What is it about stand-up comedy that brings my friends into that? I have a couple of friends who've done that. Because you've got funny-ass friends. Well. (laughs) Sure, you want to do stand-up comedy. I don't find you that funny. Actually, to be honest, 
Trisha, I told Chris this. When I told my mom, my mom's initial reaction was, you're not funny. <laughs> your exactly mom. Right. Your mom. mom. That's your, my that's, mom. that goes into your set, by the Although, way. Although, let's just be honest, though. Jason, you're, you're the most serious person on this damn podcast. I mean, that, that is what some people <laughs> say. They're like, wait, you want to do stand? You're like, really? Serious? I love that for you, though. <laughs> How's it going? So I, I finished it. And and what's unfortunate is that, so the, the way it worked, it's kind of like four classes. Uh, and then you they have like a graduation that everyone performs, like a five-minute set. And I had to go out of town for work for the graduation. So I did all four classes. I have my bit, but I did not get to go to the graduation. So oh. I got to figure out when I'm going to actually perform. So wait, um, so you didn't but, actually do it? You're, you're no, t- you I have a type it. five. I have a type five um, and I did it, you know, for the others in the class and the teacher, but, but I haven't done it in, in a real, in a real setting yet. So, uh, you know, I, I will say it was so, I'm really glad I did it. I learned a lot. It was much harder than I thought it would be, which, which I think is cool. Um, I, at the end of it, I'm not sure whether it's something I want to continue spending time on. Maybe, maybe not, but I'm really glad I did it. It, it was, cool. it was a growth experience. Like it was a true growth experience. So can you tell me what type of comedian do you think you're closest to in like a, oh, in, a good in the space that we would know? Are you more of a Jim Gaffigan or? I was you... just going to say, I think. Because I, I was going to say, I bet his kind of comedy would like the Explain family and kid. Exactly. Jim Whining Gaffigan's... about family. And yeah. Kids. It, Jim... It's him. And, you know, I did a media recommendation a couple episodes ago, Ramesh Raganathan, who also complains mm-hmm. about his family a lot. Like the, those are the two that I feel like I'm most like. Oh, so like point. a dad comedy. Yeah, it's definitely. Jim Gaffigan dad is dad comedy. My, it's very much like I went on vacation with my bit. kids. And sorry. Sorry, yeah. Jason. Go ahead. No, no, no. My whole bit was was about dad and fighting with kids and being the only vegetarian in the house. Like that's that's basically what the bit is about. Also, the only white guy. Uh, yeah, and you're the only had, white guy. <laughs> I am the only white guy in the house. I um <laughs> actually I had that in my first version of the bit, but because so much of it ended up being about like food and eating, I took it out just because it was a distraction. It's but distracting. Yes. How dare you say that that's a distraction? You're well, you know, because the audience the whole time, like, <laughs> if he led with, I'm the only white guy in my house, the audience would be like, so they'd be, they'd be thinking about it too much. Yeah, no, exactly. So. That's, and then the teacher, I mean, that's something he said. He said, you know, you don't want to open the door to something to the audience and then not satisfy them. Like, if you're not going to go into the room, don't open the door. So like, Chekhov's, I think Chekhov's I... gun, right? Chekhov's gun is, it's a writing device that says like, don't put a gun in a scene unless someone's going to fire it. Ooh, like, somebody uh, needs to tell a lot of these writers that because they'd be <laughs> dropping the ball with lots of things in movies. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> let me yeah. tell you. Let me tell you the way that these people are just. But no, that's cool, Jason. Good for you. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Quick question, and then we'll do we'll bounce to topics. Um, guests in your home. Let's talk about it real quick. No, like what? What do you mean? Uh, Trisha said no. <laughs> no. No, let's not talk about it. Is that a yes it. or no question? No guess. Is that a yes or no, no, one... no, yes or no question? No, 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 no. No one comes over. No, no, no. Uh, I, I, have to, I, I love having people over. I really do. And it's like, I'm thinking like, do people need an orientation at some point? Because let me tell you something. I have a friend yeah. that has a book. And I'm not going to mention names. So when you said, like, thank you for staying with me. Here's what you need to know. Yes. I, I, oh. So this is what I want to talk about. Is that too much? Because 
The other day I had friends over and they had, you know, I'm always like, make yourself at home. They went into the kitchen, they got a plate of food, whatever. Then they like tried to wash the dishes. Now don't wash the dishes because I'm the only one who is good at washing dishes. Like okay. to my satisfaction, I just like you want them washed. Other people place. wash dishes, and there's like there'll be like a little piece of grease or a little piece of food on it, and I'm like, how the fuck did you miss this? Like, <laughs> you know like, what? I mean, you, can you come spend the weekend with my kids and Abby and I will go away because they need to hear that from other people besides us. Oh my well, goodness, I mean, that is a daily they, conversation. They can try to wash the dishes as long as you know that you'll have to go behind and make it See, better. I would, so, but I'm always like, don't mix them in with the other dishes because I don't remember which ones you used. <laughs> And I'm always like, just don't wash the dishes. And they're like, no, 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 it's no trouble. I don't mind. I said, it's not about you. It's about me. Like, I don't. So I was just, I was like, am I, would it be too much to be like, thank you for staying here. This is what I need you to know. You need to clean up your bed area, but do not go into the kitchen and attempt to clean anything. I mean, it feels a little much, but that is you. I think you could um, do that. I think you could do that. I mean, but- it, to some <laughs> I mean, what do you mean by that? It's a, I mean, it's a little controlling, right? Because the part of it is this is it. You know what it is? It's because people don't want to be perceived as rude. So if you give people permission to not wash dishes, I think it'll be okay. Because for the first sign of being like a good guest is to offer assistance to the host, yes. right? That's right? And usually that's, right. that's washing dishes and things like that. Yep. So if you say to them, you know what? I have a quirk about how I wash my dishes because you have to leave with that. Don't make it seem like yes, like you're terrible. You know what I mean? That you know what I'm I mean? weird. Say, so yeah, no, you I, yeah. I think that's Lean how you in. say it. Like, look, I'm crazy. I'm gonna wash them again anyway. That's yeah. just who I am. So please don't waste your time or my water and soap. Exactly. And basically, you take the onus off of them and you make it be your quirky thing that you do, which is wash dishes in a very specific way. And then also, after you're done in the bathroom, wipe the sink down. I don't know who you think is gonna do that. Well, uh, I mean, those are just general niceties, but I guess like oh, oof. a lot of people were raised in a barn. That's what I find. That's what I'm finding. Well, listen, a lot, a of, lot people, of people I no realize no home yes, training. yes. Well, no at home least training. no home training from the perspective of a Caribbean, which is who we are. And let me tell you something, honey, we are fastidious, <sighs> and so you'll never be as clean as a Caribbean. I'm just I, saying that out loud. I I had a guest over, and they were going to stay in my bed, so we were changing the sheets. We're changing the sheets and they put the pillows on the floor temporarily. <gasps> I was like, I'm gonna need you to leave. I'm gonna need you to leave. What do you think? Buy me a the, new pillow. What the fuck do you think is going on here? You put like what do you think this is? Like a manger? What is going on here? Put my pillow on the floor. I had to buy new pillows. Anyway. So yes, this so, is a Caribbean okay. thing. I, it's, I, I was going to say, my, my Caribbean wife and I, we have conflict over stuff like this. Just, yeah. Listen, you'll I never be as clean as a Caribbean. You're never no one be as will. Clean That's as clear. That's no. clear. I mean, Caribbean parents are out here cleaning out their kids' digestive tracts by having giving us washouts. <laughs> so that's where, that's where they took it. It's just clean and you know how inside people, and out. You know how people like taste food and then put the food back in the pot? That's not happening in the no, Caribbean you household. Can't do that. You can't. You're like who's doing food. that? Listen, if I if I'm judging people by TV shows, which is a version of how they live their lives, sometimes people are like tasting food and putting it back in the pot, giving it to pets, touching pets, and not no, washing. I the mean, f- there's like a whole array of things that Don't when we look at it, we're like pets. we can't even do it. So 
like Caribbean people, there's like a spoon for tasting. You put it in the sink and then you get a brand yeah, you rinse new it spoon off. for everything. You rinse it off. Or soap it. Like, I mean, it's just, it's serious like that. You don't want your spit in the pot. Let's so. not and let's not get into people's behavior with pets because we well, I, have well, a, I have my own tight five about that. So <laughs> <laughs> moving forward, let's barrel into topics. The world was paralyzed with excitement when Barbie came out a couple of weeks ago. People couldn't wait. It was so enjoyable to see people dressing up to go to the yeah. theater, uh, dressing in all pink, being really 80s in their garb. I thought it was it was really fun. It reminded me of all the energy around Black Panther. It's For just sure. nice to get excited about something like culturally. So then the movie landed and it's an, a runaway smash success. It's made a ton of money for get Greta Gerwig and who was her writing partner? Uh, I'll look it up. Uh, Noah, it's her husband, right? Noah Bomb partner, Noah Bombak. No, yeah, that's, I think so. Is it? In any case, uh, the movie's a runaway hit, and it's inspired a lot of comments uh, from everyone. Conservatives, especially, say that it's pro-trans and that liberals won't stop until everyone's gay. Uh, conservatives hate the movie, which has put liberals in the position of having to defend the movie and say that they love it. But what I wanted us to talk about today is one, as the, by the nature, whenever we talk about a movie, we're going to give our reviews, that's fine. But I don't want us just to stay there. I want to talk a little bit about how the movie lands in 2023. Uh, if you thought Barbie, first of all, Barbie as a concept is such a rich, such a rich topic and subject to talk about women, to talk about um, children, to talk about women in society, how they're portrayed. And Barbie has had so many iterations and so much scandal and so much, um, there's been so much energy around the concept of Barbie. And how does this movie land in this moment in 2023, as far as gender politics are concerned? That's what I want to talk about. So given the, given the topic, how well do you think the, the movie approached it? And what does it say about gender politics today? Um, uh, eeny, meeny, miny, who looks more ready? Trisha? Trisha, you both look equally unready. But Trisha, go ahead. Let's <laughs> go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, given the frame that you've just asked that question within, um, I would say it feels a little anachronistic. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of funny that we were all dressing up in, well, I didn't dress up, but that people were dressing up in um, pink because um, it had a very 80s vibe to me. And some of the themes and some of the kind of um, ideas are um, feels like old school feminism and, and and a particular type of feminism. I would say probably white feminism too, because um, I think in this current moment, when you the way you introduce it, you know, talking about trans rights and talking about trans people, I feel like we should be busting the doors wide open around gender to the point where we're not even dealing with binaries, right? Um, and so I felt at times that the movie was a bit dated, but then at the same time, I thought it was really clever the way Greta used Ken to tell a story about masculinity and gen um broadly which for me has always been the question for me it's interesting when you introduce barbie and you said it's it talks about women's rights and it talks about womenhood i actually always think it talks about men too because by contrast it talks about what men 
failed to do for themselves, talks about masculinity, talks about all of these sort of bigger questions. So I thought the cleverest part of Barbie for me this time around was was me spending most of my time considering what Ken represented, who Ken um, reflects in our society. Uh, so that was really more interesting to me in some strange way. And I think in an odd way, it also made us think about mothers and our own mothers. That's what I left the movie actually pondering. Very interesting. Jason, how did it hit you? What did you, what did you, what do you think about this? Well, I guess I came away, I thought the highest level thing that the movie was communicating, at least this is what I got, was even in a world, the world we are in today, where there are women in many different professions and women can do lots and lots of things, including be on the Supreme Court. Um, patriarchy is still alive and well and can easily rear its head even in what may appear to be the most female-dominated space. That was one of the like main themes that I came away with. I thought that that was a good topic to explore because I think that is absolutely true. I think it is easy to look at the world today and say, you know, patriarchy is a thing of the past and we have equality but we don't and I, again i think i think the movie hit that home in, in a good way i also think that i thought the movie did a good job of balancing being pretty critical of barbie of the brand of its origins kind of being subversive but then also some level of celebration like i think that's a very hard thing to do and i thought it did a pretty good job of that and and the last thing i will say is um you know, the 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 concept of um, America Ferreira's character, you know, dealing with some mental health challenges and that, like bringing that in, you know, what does it mean when, you know, a woman or anyone is dealing with some difficult thoughts and how does that relate to the idyllic spaces that they may have played in as a child? I don't know. I, I thought all of that, I thought all of that all of that was very interesting i'll just go ahead and say like i didn't love the movie but um i enjoyed watching it and i thought some of those ideas that i felt like the movie was playing with i thought they were they were interesting i've been really looking forward to talking to you two about this because i had such a reaction to this movie i'm going to start off by saying i neither liked nor disliked it it um it's big bright and stupid so white gay men are going to go fucking nuts over it and they have <gasps> yeah, yes trisha are there any questions I'm, I, do you agree or disagree? Trisha doesn't want to go on record. Okay. So like I said, it's big, bright, and stupid. So yes, gays love this movie. I spent the like pretty much the first third and second third of the movie with my jaw just hanging open just because I thought some of the ideas that were being expressed were, like you said, Trisha, wildly anachronistic. In the movie- example. In the movie, the gender politics of the movie is expressed as a zero-sum game. In this, in this fantastical world where all these women are hyper-successful, in control of their universe, in control of their destinies, the men necessarily feel put upon. They necessarily feel less than, and they cannot find their space. So when Ken returns, by the way, spoilers, when Ken returns and introduces patriarchy, now all the women have become like, you know, dumb bimbos who are serving them. And the only way the Barbies can get their power back 
is to lean into that, appeal to them sexually, and then turn the tables. So now they're back to where they were. I would love to believe that in 2023, when we talk about gender, that there could be a middle ground. The movie opens no middle ground for this. Secondly, I think the people who wrote this movie certainly had an idea, a vision of womanhood in their head. And it just, its it was like a shotgun blast to the face. I'm not sure what the message was. There were very extended pieces of the movie where America Ferreira basically turns to camera and gives a three-minute TED Talk on the difficulties of being a woman. It was a wonderful speech. It completely violates movie telling, like movie making rules of show, don't tell. Similarly, there are not one, but two scenes with Rhea Perlman interacting with Margot Robbie, just talking about womanhood and like you said, motherhood. I, in the end of the movie, when Barbie goes to get an abortion, which was the joke, you know, when she pulled up at the end of the movie, I was like, she's going to get an abortion because this movie believes that that's the height of womanhood, making choices. I, did you think that that's what she was going for? No, I she wasn't she was... really. She just went to the gynecologist because now she has a vagina. Because Or she needs a, a vagina. Or she needs one to be put more right. in. But even that last shot of like her getting out of the car and she's wearing Birkenstocks, which is a call back to the, uh, the early movies, like you could be this kind of woman or this kind of woman. I just, those choices are false. They're false choices. I mean, I think, I, well, let me just, re- I, I, I mean, wh- first of all, I think what you're reacting to is very much the thing that we are talking about, which is the anachronistic nature of it, right? Which is that this is a, this is, this presumes binary. Like this movie is a binary movie. Across That's the board, like binary. Across the board in, in every, every, way, every in way, in every way, right? And so- What's interesting about it is that it brings to mind kind of the early questions about what exactly are we trying to get through feminism? Are we getting equality or are we trying to actually move beyond the idea that I, in order for us to be fully free as a gender, that we have to ascribe to what men have, right? Because that's what Barbie says. Like, that's what Barbie land is, right? Barbie land is the idea that we flip it. Women lead everything here and men are of service or men are appendages. I mean, that's the framework. Right. So Ken is an appendage. And so if you look at Ken's journey as the traditional feminist journey, which if you think about it, that's what it is. Like Ken comes to realize that he's simply an appendage. His entire identity is built on whether Barbie sees him or not. Whose story is that? Mm hmm. That's the traditional woman's story, right? And so he goes on a journey. I think the more interesting part of the movie for me is Margot's journey, too, which is much more. Um, much less in some sense gendered and more human in, in some ways, which is the idea of connecting to your emotions, recognizing that there's like a complexity of feeling. I agree states, with you there. Right? I just don't know if this was the movie for it. I, I wasn't. Ex- it was. It, it doesn't matter if it was. It was in it, though. It was in it. I mean, and, and I want to. I meant to start with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all. I'm all very critical of how critical people are about works like this. I always say it on this podcast. Maybe you just wanted to see something else. I'll be very honest. I wanted to see something else. What did you want to see? I, I don't know. I, I wanted to see, I would have liked to have seen. You can't judge a movie by what no, you no, wanted no, okay. to see and didn't see. <laughs> exactly. So and I, under, I don't want to be unfair to the movie. So I'm trying yep. to react to what was presented. But mm-hmm. I, like I said, Barbie is such a rich concept. When Barbie came out, Barbie was extraordinarily controversial because here's this doll of a woman with no man, no kids, enjoying her life and being successful. At the time this came out, it was scandalous, you know, and and to think that that's where it started. 
And then in the eighties, like Barbie was like the symbol of like training kids to be little mini capitalists. And then we talked about body image. There's so much to get, there's so much to use here. And I feel like the filmmakers kind of took every one from every single column, like threw it into like a paint can, mixed it up and splashed it all over the place. It just, to me, it was disjointed. I'm not sure I walked away understanding I mean, the the Barbie segments you said, like her just becoming quote unquote human, I think, mm-hmm. were, first of all, Margot Robbie, by the way. Great. Fabulous. I mean. A really difficult role. I never really. I difficult thought role. all of the acting was good, yeah. by the way. It really was. Like the acting was really Ryan Gosling good. was phenomenal. Totally um, difficult role. Holy shit. Like the two of them were so great. I've, I agree. Oh, what was that ice skating movie that Margot Robbie was in? The one about Tanya Harding? Yeah, I got to see that now. I've never seen it. That's yeah, her. I think so. Yeah. I, I, just, I didn't know Seba- she was in that. And I think Sebastian Stan, that was really good. Is he in that? I think he's the one that, I'm yeah. Gonna, I've got to travel I think today. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that. But, uh, but so, I think, yeah. I, I think see- your critique is fair. Listen, I think it tried to do a lot, which is in some sense probably what America Ferrer's speech represented. How much stuff is in trying to define womanhood, trying to define the the boundaries of gender, if you even want to do that. Um, can we have a conversation about that in terms of like the boundaries of genders and what the different characters represented? Because I see a lot of people chit-chatting about it and I hadn't really spent much time thinking about it, but I think if you're in Barbie land world, he represents something. What's Alan about for people? Jason, what do you think? Alan was the character played by... yeah. Played by Michael um, Sarah. Sarah, thank you. Um, and by the I way, mean, Alan's a real doll. Alan was yeah. uh, a real doll. It's Ken's friend is what yep. Alan. Yeah. I mean, whenever you say Ken's friend, I automatically assume that it's his lover. But um, I don't know what to take because the thing about him, Alan is supposed to be Ken's friend. That's his only descriptor, and he can wear the same clothes as Ken. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> it's like a weird version of three's company mm-hmm. uh and you're asking what alan represented well i feel like i've seen people say that alan represents gay men represents trans people like i mean represents the type of guy that doesn't fit into the patriarchy that, right that was clearly his character right he didn't fit in in the beginning when the other male dolls are just you know as you said appendages and then he became kind of a natural ally later to to the women. But then also receded again. What's interesting about, I'm trying to find it right now while we're doing this and I can't, mm-hmm. but uh, someone was doing a deep dive into Ken and what mm-hmm. he meant for masculinity and went back. This is not confirmed. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is this is a rumor, but the, the woman in the movie who Ruth Perlman was playing, she had two kids, mm-hmm. uh, one named Barbara and one named Ken. And so she named the dolls after her kids and the Ken uh, grew up and the, the, the rumor is that he died of complications of AIDS um, and was a gay person. The idea of Ken, Ken was never introduced as Barbie's boyfriend, which I think is interesting. No. Yeah, Uh, that's true. It was interesting. Like there, I don't know how they played that off, but like, I think we all just assume that Ken was Barbie's boyfriend. I don't know if that's Canon. Um, so it's I not think canon because I think they tried to put them together and it like felt and it didn't flopped. work because mm-hmm. also Barbie is supposed to be single and unattached. That's kind of like Barbie's thing. 
the other thing is that and he was in the movie magic earring ken i remember magic earring ken which was basically i remember it because i, I remember at the time they were like he comes with like this necklace and it looked like a cock ring <laughs> gosh it was the best selling ken ever Wow. The Ken, the Ken, the Ken that was could most be perceived as gay was the best selling Ken. I don't know what to make of that. Well, and I don't know if you remember, but way back, Eddie Murphy. I don't know if it was. I, th- I want to say it was when he was on Saturday Night Live, so a long time ago. Oh and Lord, this is be terrible. I was going to say he had plenty of homophobic stand-up, um, but you know he did a whole bit about how Ken was gay and and Mattel was you know be careful you know don't let your sons near this because it's going to turn them gay. I mean. I feel like the the these reflections on Ken have been forever. Well, I think let's, I mean, but let's not be bound by the movie, right, Chris? Because that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. I think one of the things that's interesting about it are all the thematic threads. Do they all fully flesh out? Maybe no. not. But I there's, think there's what, no plot. I mean, not the, really. I mean, the plot I mean, doesn't and, make sense. Like, I well, there's a plot, right? There's a plot. There's a general plot. There's a general plot, which is the rec- which is that Barbie assumes that her world is a reflection of the other world. And what's more important that her world has improved the other world. Is improved the other world, right? And which is a which if you go from a metaphorical standpoint, you can say to yourself, to to Jason's point earlier about America Farrar's character, is that in some sense the land of play was meant to do something for children. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the idea is that young girls should take Barbie and imagine possibilities for themselves. That was the whole point from the the creator, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, Is mm-hmm. that, and I think in many ways, from a limited perspective, I think it did do that, right? It did generate kind of like an image of what am I going to dress like? What am I going to do in the world? I mean, I think that's the funny thing about Ken is that people talk about when they played with Barbie, they didn't really know what to do with Ken because as a as a young child, what are you doing with this dude? Thanks. You know, you're like wrecking his body, driving over it, doing whatever. The The value of it is you pl- spinning out worlds for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like imagining that. So I think in some ways that was a successful venture, right? Um, I think what the movie also lets us understand is the limitations of play. If the world itself, right? If the world itself doesn't allow you to fully inhabit that space. And I think that's the interesting conjecture those are the interesting ideas that i i left the movie playing with is first and foremost i left the movie saying the the limitations of what we had assumed freedom was um was very much spelled out in this movie because it felt so anachronistic i think in this contemporary 2023 moment when we're actually dealing with a kind of retrenchment around women's rights it allows us to ask bigger questions which i think if you ever read anything from like um Gloria Steinem onward there was a kind of reckoning that happens in feminism where we realized that maybe we we had stuck too much with these kind of binary mm-hmm. ideas and so I think the rights like trans rights really lets us understand that we should have been trying to get outside of the bubble of the bind of gender right so it's just there's just so much issue. I think my issue is that this movie is very binary and I kept saying this this movie struck me as the kind of movie conservatives would make to say like, hey, liberals, this is what you all sound like. It, yeah, I, sure. it's, it was just- So that's like why I, it's kind of bombastic and sort of a big blast. I but don't this think is also that's... what I said in the intro is that like, you know, conservatives don't like the movie, which has forced liberals to claim it. And I'm like, I don't know if we want to claim this because some of the values expressed in this movie are conservative values. 
like the binary like what, though the binary for sure that. i don't i think barbie land is binary i didn't think that the real world quote unquote I, what does it but mean the real world that? was actually horrible the right? real world was just as binary they, they, they kept reinforcing that like Mother. women are in control here you know, all the men, you know, Barbie's like, where's the head of Mattel? I'd love to meet her. And he's like, I'm the head. And he's, you know, Will, by the way, Will Ferrell, <laughs> Will Ferrell, imagine Hilarious. working on that set. Will Ferrell walks in, hits the line the first time, hilariously. He's just, you can give him anything to do and it's works. He was the best. I part agree. I, I agree. I, he doesn't have to do anything. And I laugh. Like, I don't feel like he, he could stand there. And I think it's funny. He just, but Jason, could you react to what you're talking about in terms of what it feels like there's a tension that you're seeing in the way Chris is representing the movie that he's playing out? So I keep thinking about the family dynamic of America Ferrer's character and her husband and her daughter. I mean, that didn't seem binary to me. That seemed complicated in a in a good way, in a real way. I mean, the the CEO room <clears throat> is the one room that remains male dominated from beginning to end and doesn't seem like it's going to change and unfortunately i think that is realistic i don't know i I didn't find it i didn't find it like like that was like a i don't know real world felt real to me i mean it didn't i didn't feel like it was binary or i i feel like the values that were expressed more in the barbie world than the real world the lessons that ken takes from the real world and takes back to barbie world get very gendered and extremely binary and the solution you know it's like a quip at the end of the movie like eventually the kens had as much power in barbie world as women do in the real world and i was like okay like i understand the comment i understand the way that we really live i understand that it's just that i I don't know i wanted to see a different movie okay so can i just say i think that that's an interesting point right i think the movie fulfills itself which is if you are introducing Barbie as a solution to the real world, it's just the flipped. You've just flipped it. All you've done is all you've done is taken the exact constraints that existed in your notion of patriarchy and just flip it to make it be women. Right? The difference being is that in Barbie world, in Barbie world, the Kens weren't necessarily mistreated or didn't have rights or they, like you know but what they I mean? were absent when the, but when the I, Kens take over. They yeah. do this thing to the Barbies, which is really akin to what happens in this world. They're not mirror flips of each other because in the real world, women, you know, the, you know, so many monologues from both the daughter and America Ferreira and then later Rhea Perlman, so many monologues about the difficulties of being women in the real world. That's not really Ken's struggle in the Barbie world where everything is perfect, including for them. It's that the things, because the Barbies have this position, it leaves Ken feeling empty and wanted. And I think that's the values that I, I think feel this, awkward to me. See, but this is an interesting thing. So I would say that the biggest difference between the flip is the, the lack of safety for the women, right? That's the real difference. That's the real danger. Because in... In Ken's in Barbie Land, Ken isn't unsafe. He's, but he's, but he's, but that's the thing. But that's it's the lack of safety that is the big thread, right? However, Ken is not a person. Personhood is up for conversation, right? And personhood is huge, right? Like, because that's the thing that Barbie says to him later. Ken, go see who you are without me. 
that's a valuable exploration for you, for you to come to some understanding of yourself as not just an extension of me, which is of course the bigger theme for. But I think the thread that runs through all of this is the lack of safety that women experience in mm. in in the world right so that's the patriarchal piece that ken's bring back ken brings back is the sense that you are going to constrain my opportunities but in a in an odd way ken was absent of any kind of identity and personhood which itself was a problem but he's just like he's not going to be harmed right like <laughs> and yeah. so there, that's that's probably that, the thing i would say is that was the main difference for me i think is that they weren't flips of the world because of that it's, the Kens weren't unsafe and they yeah. weren't oppressed. They just were ignored, which is very different than what we're doing here. I mean, it Although is, it, but it's valuable, yeah. but it's useful. Well, now that you say that, Trisha, I thought that was very, very insightful. That the the lack of safety is one thing, and this is not a critique per se, but the movie doesn't deal with that. As much as there's power imbalance in the real world in the movie between men and women, you don't get, I mean, the most threatening thing that happens i think is like a a, a man slaps barbie's ass and it is not which yeah it does on the beach yeah oh right but like you don't even see the slap and it's not presented as like a an assault i mean it's not it, the tone of it is not an assault she like kind of is like oh i'm kind of surprised that happened so that's even the construction workers who were like catcalling and she's like we don't have genitals and they were like oh i guess that's cool even that lacked the, well, the reality it, of how that situation would really play out yeah that's well, true. there there was a thread, but see, I, I I disagree. Actually, I think there was a thread of danger throughout the reality moments because it's so funny. Because there were moments when I thought to myself, "Oh dear, are we going to have a sexual assault?" Like even the daughter story, I thought was going to get really complicated around sexual assault because she was obviously so wounded. There was so much going on, and we never find and, out by what. And we never find out, <laughs> but it actually is not so much about that. It's not that yeah. the daughter was wounded. It's that the daughter grew up and is kind of a representation of how people see current teenagers, absent, yeah. grumbly, whatever. And that the yeah. movie was actually not about the daughter, but about the mother. Mm-hmm. And and so in a weird way, that's actually what's interesting about Barbie, too, is the Barbie is less about contemporary young people children and, and, and children. The women and it's more about it. the women who grew up with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's that. absolutely right. You're, you know? That's really a great point. Yeah. And I think that that and that's what makes the movie about the writers and that era remember we talk about that with male, male movies is that men are writing from their pre-teens from, from 20, and their yeah, yeah. The high school movies yeah. look so awkward now yeah. yeah and it's the same thing i think for greta i think greta is writing about her conceptualization of that time and that's i mean hello what is the song that's playing in the movie closer i am to find i mean yeah. <laughs> i i love that framework and i'm going to use that to think about the movie which i still did not enjoy mm-hmm. just because i think the way that i think about this it's a missed opportunity like um in the sense like when they made the movie gem and the holograms and it was so bad i was like oh we just missed the opportunity we have to wait another generation before we can tell this story again i i want to i want to dare but i say a, you, i want a smarter you... barbie movie but what if what if the Barbie movie is about the messiness of what Barbie tried to do? Because I think this movie is a good it representation of nineties people. I think it started that way about how messy Barbie is, like the confrontation between Barbie and the teenager, which again was very telling and not showing. Um, but still, I think this was like, oh, okay, here we go, here we go. Let's Barbie's being confronted with what Barbie means in the real world. 
And then we kind of went this this way with the plot about Ken. You know what it struck me like? You know the the musical Gypsy? Yeah. What's really great about that show is that the movie, the, the show's called Gypsy, right? About the titular character is Gypsy Lee and she is like a child star or whatever. But the show is really about her mother, Rose. And the most famous song from that, Rose's Turn, it that's the kind of thing that ends the second act and everyone comes out and bows. But even in, because the movie is called Gypsy, Rose doesn't have that moment. Immediately after she sings that, the other character comes on and the, the play goes on. Even in a show about Rose, it's still called Gypsy. And that's very much part of the plot. This movie's called Barbie, and I felt like it was about Ken most of the time. I don't, but, but I, do that's just a fact. That, I don't I don't know if I have feelings about that. It's just something I've noticed. But don't you understand why it's about Ken? I do understand why it's about Ken because Ken is the allegory to talk about women. Women, yes. I, understand, I get that. I totally understand that. I just didn't like it was executed. So again, mea culpa, I wanted to see a different movie. I just didn't, I didn't like the way it came out. And I can be really honest about that. So I can say I didn't like the movie. I can't say it sucked. I can just say I didn't like it. I guess what I'm, I mean, to your point, I don't necessarily know if it's about even liking the movie because the movie, liking a movie feels so hollow it, because it was trying to do so much. It's like asking if I liked an essay, right? Like, I'm just like, it was- You tackled. could like an essay. I mean, I can like an essay, but sometimes- it, Whether it's like impactful it, or not is a different question, but you can yeah, like it. Sometimes when I like an essay, it's because it soothes me in a certain way, right? Yeah. But oftentimes when I- I do think the movie feels like an essay because it raises lots of questions. It doesn't answer a lot of them. It offers up like threads that could could have been pulled better, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. But I I'm happy that it happened. I'm happy that it was um I'm happy that people are actually being seduced into going into it thinking it's gonna be this. I don't know if you've been catching the memes, but people are like, I'm going into Barbie. And they're all excited. They're dressed in pink. And then they leave the movie crying because the movie is far more complicated and messy than they think it's going to be. Um, and I'm Billie Eilish's song doesn't help because that song yeah. begs you to weep. Yeah. Um, is that so what was I way, made for, that song? Yeah, what was yeah. I made for? Which, yeah. I, which is a real, you know, I think a real yeah. nod to the movie. I think... I just don't think the movie could have been clean because I think Barbie is such a messy invention. I just wish right? we talked about it. I just wish we talked about it. The messiness of it. I, in yeah, the movie I, I just wish the I wish the narrative of the messiness of Barbie was a little clearer. The narrative itself was messy, which one might say is an artistic comment. I'm just <laughs> I'm just seeing it as messiness, though. I'm just seeing it as messy writing. But, but I understand what you're saying. That's cute. I get it. Well, I don't know. I mean, the other thing is the best way for you to evaluate a, um, an author or a, a person, a, a creator is, is their genre, right? I don't see a lot of Greta Gerwig movies, but that's actually one of the reasons why I changed my mind and went to go see it. Because I think Greta is kind of, is always asking complicated questions about womanhood. And so I figured that the movie would in some sense tackle a lot of topics and wasn't going to be as popcorn and cotton candy as everyone mm -hmm. expected it to be. Jason, we got to move on, but is there anything else you want to throw into the soup here? Um, I don't think so. You know, I, when the movie was over, I was like, I really enjoyed watching that. I don't feel a desire to see it ever again, um, which, you know, there are other movies I see and I'm like, I want to see that over and over again, like the latest yeah. Spider-Man, but that, that's how I left the theater. 
Yeah. See, I want to go see it again because I actually think I want to watch. I want to understand Ken's story more. I want to understand the songs he was singing. Like, I just like I really was fixated on sort of Barbiness and looking at Barbie. And then later on, I was looking at Ken. I was like, wait a minute. Ken is the conduit to these bigger themes. So I want to attend to which, Ken differently. Uh, which is not entirely, <laughs> it's not immediately available, I think, on no. first watching. So I will not be paying to see this movie again. Uh, so interesting that the men on this podcast don't want to see it a second Don't time. do that. Don't. No, do not. No, why not? No, I'm just thinking it's. Women it, for me. No, I, no, I need, no, right? Because there are a lot of men. Well, there are a lot of women. There are a lot of men reacting like that. There's a there's a sort of backlash against it, and I was thinking to myself, isn't it interesting? Why don't you look don't at don't lump this in with I, other men who say they're I, not going to see this movie? Because I'm I mean, sure it's for different reasons. Uh, don't don't listen, you dare! Don't oh you? No, 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 no. But actually, I want to. You know, can we begin the way we started? Can we end the way we started? Yeah, Jason, you're a dad. What was the movie talking to you about? This is what from I a dad to ask perspective. You, you did you you didn't take your kids or you did? So I saw it with my daughter. And Habby saw it with her daughters separately. Um, and interestingly, Habby didn't love it either. Habby was like, I wanted to like it, but I didn't really like it. She didn't have strong feelings about it. But all three girls loved it, which I was a little surprised about because- What did they I, love? I'm upset about that. Oh, stop it. What did they love? You know, I don't, it's a good question. I don't want to speak Jason, for them, but... you need to talk to your dark girls right. about what they love about right. it. Let's you just need to talk to them about what they saw. Them. You need to talk to them about what they saw. Like that's, yeah. I, because if you take it on its face- the, the the things that Trisha has introduced in this conversation have been really helpful to me in thinking about the movie. Me too. But I, I'm super smart and I didn't <laughs> get that. Your kids are not as smart as me. So I think you have to introduce that to All them. All right. But okay. you know what? I bet you your kids are smart because I bet you the kids were well, picking up on those themes. I just, especially because you've got girls, I think this is a movie you should process with them because I think the values, yeah, there's right. a lot of values expressed in this movie. And we just, I think you just got to be careful. The fact that, I mean, the bimbification of the Barbies afterwards, that, I didn't love it. I didn't love that Can part I just of the tell you, though, what is so funny about this to me? What? Is that. <laughs> Apparently it's hilarious. Yeah. It's, it just reminded me of, um, it reminded me of, who's the one? Sarah Palin? It reminded me of how people were enamored of Sailor, mm. Sarah Palin. Yeah. And then in, Barbie. Ma- in many ways, is what right? they called her. Yeah, in many ways. Wait, what did they call her? Tarabu Barbie. Tarabu Barbie. I because I think that. one of the, I think one of the things. Can I just suggest that one of the things you're really resistant to, Chris, in this movie is how a lot of the female wild tropes are real and true. You use them. You have to. That's actually the thing. That's the punchline. Yeah, I agree. I think there was some reality to that, Chris. Like it is one of the unfortunate realities of the patriarchy is that there are times when female sexuality is used because it is a powerful tool because of the superficiality of men. It's part of the toolkit. And that's exactly, one of the things. Exactly what you two are saying. I wish that had been underlined. Because I, it, it, it wasn't so much about it wasn't about well, it was for me exactly what you said. It wasn't so much that feminine wiles were the Barbie's strengths; it was the Ken's weakness. But that's fine. That's, that's what yeah, they. That's, uh, that's real. The, that's the real. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm saying yes. But I you don't have to. Underline. But you want it. But you see, what you in a weird way, what you wanted was for them to own that as their power. But that is what America Ferrara's content is allowing them to understand: is that this is the tool. This is part of your toolkit. 
the fact that a man is going to pay attention to your boobs while you're talking to him about something really serious, use that. Like, you know, like, I mean, and, and so I think in a weird way, maybe part of what's, what's really getting maybe at you to, to some extent, and maybe what's getting with a lot of guys is that, you know, it is a critique of masculinity. It is a critique of the limitations of masculinity and how far you can go. I think this movie critiques masculinity more than it critiques femininity, which is interesting. I think it critiques masculinity so much just with the Ken's behavior, the sort of nods, like the the two of the Kens like kiss Ryan Gosling on the cheek. There's like all these nods to like the beach. I'll beat you off. Like that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's so many explorations of masculinity and how fragile it is. It is extremely uh, fragile. And yes. I feel like it. that's the much stronger point made than about rather. I feel like thematically that was a stronger point um, narratively. Like again, with, with people talking to the camera, that's where you got a lot of the information about women and their plight. I just, it wasn't the movie I expected. So, Oh, I see what was, you mean. You see what I I'm think you, it was... you wanted them to be, you wanted them to explore femininity, but in a weird way. Thematically. Were, yeah. Thematically, which is, um, but, uh, but you know, we but do, we again, do that with the masculinity, yeah. but the femininity, like all the parts talking about women and their plight is very much Rhea Perlman, Margot Robbie and America. Speaking Ferrer, at the screen. And the daughter being like, this is what Barbie represents. This is what it means to be a woman. This is what it means to be beautiful. And I, it's like, I appreciate the words if you were going to post Show that it, don't like a say TikTok. It. But I, I, the masculinity pieces, the way that Ken was, was, you know, feeling low, built up, and then brought back. Thematically, I was like, that arc is interesting. Women talking mm. to the camera about how hard it is to be women is interesting insofar as the information being presented. It's not interesting as a movie. That's, a, well, that's an interesting point. It's That's an a interesting, fair point. It's a fair point, but in so much as, which is what I was saying about anachronistic nature of the movie, mm-hmm. in so much as the fact that this movie approach to gender reflects a very, I think, a throwback idea. Because I think when we're in this contemporary moment, we have to embrace um, the Angela Davis framework which I remember we we talked about that book that I recommended many moons ago where Angela Davis like allows us to enter the feminist conversation from an entire critique of the gender binary period right and so I think Barbie was very much trapped in this idea of you too can be defined through your career which is a very limited conceptualization of personhood period right I would love to have seen that thematically well no I mean that didn't cool no that's not that's like a part two right because like I think this movie takes us up to like the 90s in some of our ideas oh that's so true I really agree there yeah you know and it's like oh like remember boss like shoulder pads the whole thing like oh my gosh I'm gonna be defined by the fact that I work external to the household you know those kinds of tropes are all this movie is about which is why in some ways if you look at let me just say a little hint y'all if you look at the ken story the ken story is traditional feminine um, feminism marketed through like i'm an appendage the whole thing but look at margot robbie's story and the barbie story as the next generation which is humanness what does it Mm -hmm. mean to be human that Mm -hmm. is a different through line Right. Her narrative, which is about dealing with the complexity of her emotions, 
recognizing that she's going to age, recognizing that she has to, she's thinking about death, like which Jason introduces as kind of mental illness, but it's really just like, I am, I, I am going to die. Mm -hmm. That's a much mm -hmm. more sort of like human story. Right. Sure. So I think that those are the two parallel things that are happening in the tale. Yeah. And you get to like experience both if you embrace them. Well, wow. We went, way too long in this segment. So we have to move directly to recommendations, which is something you've seen, heard, read, or experienced that you think other people should see, read, hear, or experience, or the exact opposite of that. And you anti-recommend something. So uh, Trish is out of frame, desperately grasping for something. So Tr Jason, why don't you go and not first? at home. So it's really hard. Oh, she got, <laughs> she got it, but you still go first. Go ahead. Um, I feel like I've seen and read so many cool things lately, but I will choose uh, a series on Netflix called Beef with Ali Wong and Steve Young. And, um, it, you know, I will say, I think I want to say it's one season. I think they they may do additional seasons. I think it's either 10 or 12 episodes. I didn't love every single episode, but it's very artistic. It's very, I, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it. It is funny. It is painful. The characters are very complex and the acting is uh, phenomenal. Hey, Trisha. I'm starting a book that I'm really enjoying and um, I'm actually going to try to get through it because it's not that long of a book. Um, and I'm going to try to do a chapter a day, which I've already failed because I didn't do one yesterday, but I did do one previously. So this book is called Black Transhuman Liberation Theology. It's technology and spirituality, and it's by Philip Butler. The reason why I'm reading the book is because I, I had an opportunity to sit in a couple of discussions with Philip, and I just really loved his framework. And one of the, I think the main contention of this book, or at least the thesis of this book, is that we've always been transhuman, which is the idea that we've always connected with technology. Technology has always extended us. So the wheel, the car, you know, you just, earring aids, I'm, that I kind of stuff. I don't want to interrupt, but again just for the audience, hmm? trans versus transhuman. When we say transhuman, can you just talk a little bit about what that means? It does, that's what I'm explaining. Okay, no, that's cool. what I'm explaining. Transhuman cool. is how technology extend us into the what we would assume to be the artificial, right? So that we've always been a mixture of both. We've never been just human. We've always added things to us that extends us into the world. So transhuman in this framework is how we deploy technology to extend our senses. So the eyeglasses, earring aids, prosthetics, and those things. That's mm -hmm. us down a path for us to imagine a future in which we are, our bodies are fully integrated with technology. And what does that actually mean for our conceptualization of spirituality? Like, what does it mean if we are more than human, right? And how do we have a theology that allows us to have a framework to appreciate that? And so his work is to try to define a sort of Black theology mm -hmm. that gives us room to kind of confront the role that technology is going to play in the current moment and also in the future. Um, so mm -hmm. that's that um, that's an interesting framework. Um, and that's so that's, cool. yeah, it's an interesting thesis because what he's saying in some sense is that traditional Christian faith, um, theology is limiting. 
mm-hmm. and isn't um and isn't um, material enough. It needs to deal with our complexity in the material world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 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 super excited by that because for me, I think as I was reading the intro chapters, Chris, I was thinking about you because mm-hmm. we're always like you're always begging the question of religiosity to be like more <laughs> contextual and more based on our lived experiences. Mm-hmm. So this feels like an exploration of that for me. Okay, cool. Trisha found a church for Chris. I never thought I'd see it. Yeah, you never will. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I am going to soft recommend a Apple TV show called Silo. Silo had 10 episodes and it concerns, well, I don't want to give too much away, but in the future, humanity lives underground in a giant uh, underground skyscraper, which is, you know, it's a silo. And they, the main characters try to figure out why, why are they there? How did they get there? What is their history? Because it's something that's been obscured from them. And what is outside? And is what they're being told the truth? Uh, I enjoyed the show so much and it ended, it ended on a cliffhanger, a big one. And I was like, I cannot. So I got all the books and I'm reading them. <clears throat> I would recommend you watch the show. It's very suspenseful. Um, if you have a tolerance for that kind of thing, it's great. The book, the first book I've read, I'm halfway through the second book is really good. But what I really want to discuss, I'm like kind of like introducing, like I'm going on a screed on like a mini topic through my recommendation the most interesting part of the book to me was the author's note where he was saying, what is the deal with all these apocalyptic sort of themed novels and shows coming out right now? And he looked back and said, actually, humanity has always been interested in telling stories about frontiers. And he said, like, there were hundreds of Westerns made in the 19th century. You know, there are all, going back into the Middle Ages, so many of the stories concern things deep in the forest or in swamps, you know, underwater. Like we're so concerned with frontiers. And now in this modern era, when we have explored the depths of the oceans and up into space and deep with our own bodies, that the final frontier is time. What will happen in the future? Which is why he says that all these stories are coming out. I thought that was a really interesting framing. Mm. Like what will happen in a hundred years, in two hundred years? That's the thing that holds tension and can hold anxiety for people in a society where we have so much information about mm. our world as it currently is. So um, I would recommend uh, the show Silo. I think mm-hmm. the book, uh, without giving too much away, the book is written by a white man and. Again, we've had this conversation. It's just often interesting when I read things by white authors, especially white male authors, Mm -hmm. kind of always goes the same way. It's almost as if their imagination is really limited about how the future can unfold and the reasons why. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just Eurocentric ideas Mm -hmm. uh, being grown up with them. it's, it's, It's not interesting and it's not intriguing. Uh, It's kind of like a trope. Nevertheless, the show's great. Check it out. Love that. And there we have mm-hmm. it, everybody. This was fun. This was fun. I agree. This great. Very protracted season with very few episodes. And I would apologize. <laughs> That's our life. I know. I would apologize, but we don't owe you anything, listener. Uh, <laughs> you don't pay for this. So deal with it. Enjoy it when you can. Yeah, enjoy but if you'd like you to pay for it, we can send you instructions. I know. Uh, if you'd like to pay for it, sorry about that thing I just said. 
Zellamy at Zello is no. And on that note, everyone, bye. 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 bye.